Welcome to Juvel Hub, your helping hand in property management education. We are so thankful that you have joined us. And please remember to follow and like us on your favorite social media outlet, which you can find in our show notes. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Juvel Hub podcast, your helping hand in property management education. I am happy to have Tammy Decker from Higginbotham back with us on the show. She is a leading expert in all things human resources, and we've had her on a couple of times on different topics and just mind-blowing. So, so happy to have you back again, Tammy, because today's subject is, is super, 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 super important for, for everyone who is wanting to make sure that there's equality in the workplace along the subject of employee protected classes and salary history. So can you give us an overview of that topic? Why is it important? Why do human resource professionals need to be paying attention to it? Thank you, Jonathan, for having me back. I I'm really en- enjoyed the first two. I'm sure that we will have more. Um, protected classes are super important for us to pay attention to Um, not because we're going to go and pick people because they're in a protected class, but because we're going to do just the opposite. We, um, there's federal legislation and then subsequent state and city ordinances and such that establish some protected classes from um, the class being a part of the decisioning of their hiring or their employment or their termination. Um, So basically, the federal legislation basically protects certain people in certain groups or basically in certain, uh, for certain categories from you using that as a decision uh, making uh, point for their employment. So let me try to say that better. You cannot hire someone based on their sex, race, color, religion, national origin, age, disability, you need to be hiring people based on their ability to do the work for which you are hiring. These other things, these protected classes have been federally protected because people were making decisions based on things that didn't have to do with their ability to do their work. People were making decisions based on their gender or their age or their disability although they were fully capable and qualified candidates. So the government had came in and put some protections around that to say, those things don't have anything to do with employment. You employer need to pick people based on their skills, not some um, status that's assigned to them at birth or along the way or something that's happened that has nothing to do with their ability to do the work. Um, Some states uh, have added to this list. Some have now added sexual orientation, gender neutrality. Some of them have added, uh, we had one just recently. Some states have smoking, smokers are protected. Some states have certain protections around criminal history that if they have a criminal history that's longer, you know, a long time ago, you cannot use that. So that, that protects them from being removed from the qualified list because of something that is on a, on a criminal background. It is important when you're an employer to know the protected classes in your area. You can know the federal ones. Those are easy. It's a list. But 
there is a fair chance your state has them list has additional ones, maybe even your city, your township, your county. All of those government entities can and have put in place other protected classes. Um, so that's that, that's the crux of what we're talking about. Wow, that's uh, that is very weighty and a lot for our audience to think about. And for property management, it, we understand those fundamentals, like we've talked about in a previous episode. Fair housing is just we eat, live, and breathe that every day. So there, there are all the parallels when it comes to our employees and their protected classes. So thank you for that that overview. So our audience is is wondering, okay, so now we've got protected classes. What do we do? How do we, do we need to build policies around equality? How do we deal with negotiating? You know, is there, what, what can we do? What can't we do? You know, what, where, where would we start, Tammy? Well, I think, I think anyone who steps into this is thinking, well, but maybe some of these things do impact their ability to do a job. Um, and, and, and I would, and I would beg you to step back and say, well, what's really in there. Now, I'm going to start with something easy. Furniture delivery people. Furniture delivery people need to be able to do something very important, and that is lift heavy things. I think there are a lot of people that would naturally say, we should hire men for this job because men can lift heavy things, and maybe the ladies cannot. I understand that. <laughs> I am fully aware that men and women are different in their skills and their graces and their abilities. Um, I, uh, as I said earlier, I, I can't run a seven minute mile, but I, I can lift a heavy thing, but I don't know that I'm built to handle a big piece of furniture. Well, how do we deal with that, Tammy? I mean, how do we decide right. we're just hiring guys because we know they can handle it. I'm eyeballing this guy and he looks like someone who can absolutely lift a couch and I'm eyeballing that petite little thing over there. And there's no way she could lift a couch. You know what? That's called a bona fide qualification, but it has nothing to do with gender and it has everything to do with can the person lift something. Most furniture delivery companies have boxes in their off in their in their uh, hiring offices and you have to go and lift those boxes and prove to them that they can you can lift things. We just have to step back and say why are why are we in the frame of thinking men versus women when really we're talking about a function that maybe maybe a larger uh, percentage of male can lift that box than women, but why wouldn't you give them the opportunity? Because you may have one really strong female who can handle a couch all by herself. I don't know. But, yeah. but the job of, for us is to make sure they can lift the box, not pick based on some generalizations that we have in the back of our minds. Um, another one that I hear uh, all the time is, um, why can't we ask if they have kids? Hmm. You know, we think that would impact their ability to do the job. Well, um, the law very specifically says you cannot ask that. Um, and so, but what are we trying to get at? What are we trying to get at? Are we trying to get at, um, we need you here during this schedule? Great. Ask them that. If, if you're worried that this mom sitting in front of you needs to pick up her kids at three and you need them to work till five, ask them that in the interview. <laughs> And if they say, no, 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 I can, we have a babysitter or something like that, then it shouldn't be a part of your decision-making. If they tell you that they can meet that schedule, 
that's fine. But don't, don't ask if you have kids. Ask, can you meet the schedule that's laid in front of you? There are ways to frame what you need that you've put some ideas around that may be a part of being a protected class, but really all you're needing is, can you be here on time? Can you get to work? You know, can you lift a heavy box? <laughs> that, so, so just try to find out what it is about that bona fide qualification that you need, not necessarily framing it around a protected class. Excellent. That's, that's great visuals. I, we all got the point. We all got the point straight on. So now I know it's a common practice, and I, and I mentioned this to you before we, we started recording. I personally, I don't have a whole lot of background on this topic, so I'm very grateful because I'm gonna, I'm, I've already learned a ton on best practices and, the, and legal uh, requirements for an organization. How important is customer service? It's the lifeblood of any business, even property management. Customer service training can keep your business healthy. Jubo Hub is happy to announce its new online course, Customer Service Fundamentals. Learn more about this course at jubohub.com. Your helping hand in property management education. Uh, and it's an important topic because we see it on the news all the time, the inequality that a job position and one person is given this salary and a person with a different gender background is given a different salary. And so those laws are in place to, to stop that. Is there room uh, for negotiating? If, if someone is trying to make a decision between this property management company and that property management company, and it comes down to well, they're offering me this, or or is that even a factor for our audience to consider? Yeah, so I couldn't agree more. Um, it there, business is business, right? You're trying to get the best value for the you know the biggest bang for your dollar, um, and and I'm sure people are like, what does this have to do protect with protected classes and all that? Right. Um, when I go to hire a landscaper to mow, uh, let, let, not a landscaper. When I go to hire someone to mow my lawn, he's going to, he or she's going to say, Tammy, it's $40. And I'm going to be like, well, I could do 35. And, and no one would see harm in that. That would, no one would see harm in that. Um, we have some cities and states that are putting some laws in place currently saying we cannot ask an employee. A, a potential employee for a salary history. Jonathan, when I was 24, I had an employer ask me to show them my previous W-2s to see what I had made. Wow. And I didn't think twice about it. I was like, heck yeah, I want to show you what I made, by golly. <laughs> I, I wanted to prove up how I made so that they knew that they needed to pay me. You know, right. um, the reason, so I think it is very counterintuitive to me and to many to say, well, why can't we ask for someone's salary? What's the harm? We want to get the best bang for our buck. Unfortunately, we're in a place right now where there is a, a gap in pay equity. And, and very specifically, white people tend to be paid more than non-white people. Males tend to be paid more than females. There's a gap between there's the average wage for those different groups. Some states are approaching closing that gap by saying, hey, employer, that job, let's say, let's say it's um, um, a receptionist position. That job has a market value of $18 an hour. Okay. And we all, anyone that works 
anyone that hires people knows there are market values for jobs out there. We know how much kind of the going rate for a gas station attendant is. We know how much the going rate is for a financial planner. So we know that the market says that it's $18 an hour for that job. So in an effort to pay whoever you hire for that position, $18, they're saying you should not go and say, hey, Stacy and Steve, what did y'all make before? Or what are you looking for in a new salary? Instead, you should set the rate for that job and pay whoever you hire for that job the $18. And it's a way to hopefully narrow this gap that we're seeing between a protected class and a non-protected class, those who are earning more for the same job. But it is so counterintuitive to anyone to say, but what if I could get, what if Stacy's better than Steve and I can get Stacy for 16 and Steve wants 20. It's really counterintuitive to say, we're going to hire Stacy at 18. But there are, there, there are states that are trying to, to bring that gap together by this, by this path. And I don't think it's a bad one. I just think it is counterintuitive to the natural business people that we are because you're trying to get the best value that you can. Does that so make sense? It does. It does. It does. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think we're just uh, maybe used to movies and, and other things that have happened on the news where there's always like, well, we're going to bargain. Everything's a bargain. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to do this. That's just the, the mentality. To so negotiate it, the hassle, the haggling, right? Right. Right. That's just, that's just natural way of doing things. It has been that way for many, many years now. So to be able to, to have a conversation about where things are trending and being aware of what your state and local laws are when it comes to this particular topic are, are super important. So from a, from a training perspective, you know, there are certain things that you do that you would recommend for those who are in that position? Like, is there any particular tips? I'm the hiring manager, I'm the recruiting officer, and I've got 10 people. We know the market isn't really along that way right now, but let's just for, yeah. for argument's sake. You would be in a great, great position. Yeah. Um, what I would say is um, do your homework, your homework means you've got to go to the marketplace and really have a good grasp of what the market is driving for that position. And then you go find someone who you believe that will fill that role that you want to pay that pay, that rate to. Um, and then it becomes kind of a non-issue. I will say another great strategy, and, and we use this for a lot of our clients, and it's not necessarily targeting an exact dollar amount for a job, but... Um, you can hire organizations like Higginbotham um, to do some compensation work where we would look at your jobs and we would put them, we would put a range of pay for that job and establish a range. So at least your hiring managers have some, they have some room, they have some latitude to, because there are going to be people that have a year or two more experience. And so they may need to earn a little bit more or one that has a certification and, or this one has a master's, not a, a bachelor's or whatever to give them a range in that comp 
um, and that comp structure, that helps walk us to this place instead of a static specific amount. Um, I will tell you, you know, I, I said there are some states that have migrated to where you can't discuss salary history. There are so, a very few places, but places that are now saying with every job posting, there will be what the pay is on the job posting. That, I, that is sending chills down all my hiring managers' <laughs> backs because the worry is you're going to have a bunch of people that decide, oh, I'd like to make you know, $75,000. I'll apply for that job. And all of a sudden, you're going to get a whole bunch of people that aren't qualified. Right. Um, but um, I think the range, uh, establishing a comp plan that has job descriptions assigned to a range is a way for you to, to move towards pay equity but not to have be handcuffed to a, a very definitive amount for a, for a different, um, for, for each position. So that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent suggestions. It's, it's a, it's a different world out there. Now we're dealing with, you know, the, the, the shortage of people you've talked about that in a previous show. So mm -hmm. I think this is such an important topic, a good reminder for our audience to just make sure that we're all up to date on what's required and, and keep moving. I mean, that's what we want. We want equality. We that's that's what that's what we're all about, right? We got it. We got to keep moving forward and and implement that into our organization. So thank you again for being here. Great topic. Employee protected classes, salary history. Follow the law. Know, know the your law. law in your area for sure. That is that is significant. If you're in New York, California, make sure you have a good resource available to you. It, it just, the, those are states that are kind of on the leading edge of this. And so you just got really have to pay attention, but that they are not, these laws are not confined to just those states though. We have lots of states that are doing things um, to, to protect certain groups, help close the pay gap. So um, I think every, I would encourage everyone to really always have good resources when you're making decisions. And speaking of good resources, why don't you tell us a little bit, Tammy, about where you work and what you do? So I am I am the head of HR services at Higginbotham, and we provide um, HR outsourcing for um, a lot of clients. We I have uh, a team of HR consultants, a team of HR administrators, have a team of payroll processors, benefits administrators, administrators, and also FMLA um, a tracking team that help employers. Um, perform the HR function without having to have that function in their, in the building. Um, it's a great way to have resident experts um, on different subject matters. Um, but I, I mentioned this before, but continuity of knowledge, y'all, is, is, is key. The beauty of using a third-party uh, HR service is that if you lose an HR person, it's going to be four to six weeks at best for you to replace them. And then you've got to figure out who's going to train them and how do we remember what the login is for whatever. Right. When you have a third party outsource, I have a bench depth. I, I talk about bench depth all the time. I guess that's a sport. That's the athlete in me. Um, we have bench depth. We have we have somebody at the ready. If we have somebody leave, we've got someone already there and we've got processed processes documented specifically for our clients. So I would say continuity of knowledge is critical and, and that's something that Higginbotham could provide for you. Wonderful. Yeah, no, we've, we've appreciated your wealth of experience on this show. So everyone check that out, Higginbotham.com. You want to learn more about all the amazing services that that organization has. So thank you again, Tammy. Appreciate you. you being on the show. 
Thank you to our wonderful audience. We love you. Thank you for participating by sharing this podcast. And so we look forward to seeing you again. Until next time, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.